0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: The Marketing Technology Blog Radio Show. With Douglas Carr, founder of the Marketing Technology Blog and author of Corporate Blogging for Dummies. Online marketing strategies, web, search, social, email, mobile news tips, tricks, and best practices from actual marketers, search professionals, and social media experts.
0: Well,
2: hello, everybody. It is uh, Friday afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, welcome to the Marketing Tech Radio Show. Uh, We have uh, a cool guest this week, and and I love the fact that we're... You know, now that Jen's in charge of getting talent on the show, it's not just a bunch of, you know, fat guys talking about social media every week. Um, (laughs) Right? (laughs) Except for me. (laughs) But we have on the line this week, uh, Kimberly. uh, Oh, my God, did I already blow it? uh, Thank thank you, Adam. That's why Adam's here. Um, Hi, Kimberly. How are you? Good. How are you? We're doing fantastic. Um, so no, Jen is in charge of our our getting talent, and she's I she's doing a great job. She is doing a fantastic job. We've had such a, uh, a we're really bringing in, you know these different different um, perspectives to the whole marketing industry. Um, so thank you and welcome welcome aboard. Um, uh, fantastic to have you, Kimberly. So tell us a little bit about y- yourself and your background.
3: Oh, you're getting ready to get the cuckoo clock. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> getting ready to get the cuckoo clock in the background oh awesome that's she good talking about
2: herself,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we love that um a, a little bit about me well um i have I'm, I'm an anthropology undergrad and when i told my dad i was going to major in anthropology he said great what are you going to do with that and what am i paying for <laughs> and uh <laughs> And a few years later, after a stint in the woods and working at Public Radio, I realized that it was probably my destiny in life not to work for anybody else. Um, (laughs) But uh, I I was actually in advertising and realized how much business is spent on advertising and yet paid very, very little attention to what was happening at the ground floor uh, with their employees and with customers when they walked in the door. And So I basically decided at that point that it was my mission to help businesses understand what was happening once customers walked their doors so that they could maximize their marketing dollars. And the best way to do that was to people watch. So that anthropology major sort of came full circle and I started a mystery shopping company. And over the years it it sort of evolved and devolved and changed and, and sort of morphed into what is now really sort of a consumer feedback organization where we use the mystery shopping piece to measure obviously what's happening inside of the four walls of the business. Then we get into brand auditing, making sure that, that products are positioned where they're supposed to be, that employees are delivering on their value proposition, that, that the marketing department is really driving home, that the operations goals are being met. And we've then we've, we've morphed that into real-time feedback using mobile-based applications and text and SMS. And we're, we're moving into other ways of, of feedback through, through app and obviously the, the use of social media and measuring feedback that way. What are people saying in the blogosphere and, and Twitter or Facebook? And, and how do you reach those people who are sort of giving you the unsolicited feedback? And even better, how do you stop those people from going social? And if you can stop them from going social and give them an outlet for them to give you feedback in as close to real time as possible, then you may be able to, to salvage some relationships and prevent some, you know, brand damage.
2: Sure. Oh, that's, that's, oh my God, that's fantastic. You know, the funny thing is, is people have asked me, um, if you could go back to school, what would you want to do? And I've told them anthropology. Um, and, and it's because, um, what I find really fascinating is really like there's, there's definite patterns within social media and within online behavior that, that people aren't aware of. Right. Um, but, but that need to be kind of foundations on the strategy. One one of them, and I'll just throw this out, is like um, people do not retweet, like, uh, you know, whatever on brands that don't have retweets and likes and fans and everything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And right. so a lot of the times when we're working with a larger company that has an awesome presence, awesome product, you know, everything is is, is lined up and in place. We'll tell them, you know what? Let's go buy 5,000 fans and get you started. And everybody just kind of goes into shock.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, oh my
0: God, that's not transparent.
2: That's terrible. We can't do that. You know, and and uh, and lo and behold, we we'll get them. You know, 5,000, and that 5,000 turns into 10,000 within a week. Or you know, and it's yeah. a it's a and so I've always told people, like I don't understand. You know what the science science is behind that, and I've always wondered why people you know flock, you know why people herd, you know why people kind of kind of join. So anthropology, you're just man. I think we could sit here and talk for three hours just about that. That's fascinating.
3: It's Indiana Jones, and it's yeah. that it's the modern Indiana Jones.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and 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 now you get to couple that with online and offline behavior. Right. Of of consumers, which um, you know, do do any of your? I mean, it seems to me that companies just totally have those in different worlds a lot of times. Is they, is that the case?
3: They do. It's, what's interesting to me is that 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 many businesses seem to have this sort of it it it's three separate mindsets. One is operations. Are we down? No, no, you're there. So you I saw you do the arm thing. Okay. <laughs> they seem to have sort of three separate divisions. One is the operations, one is marketing, and then they'll have their HR and, you know, if there's a fourth division, they're just now beginning to develop the social. And they really need to sort of put all of those pieces together because in many situations operations is drilling down a message to the ground level, to those employees at the at the at the ground level. Marketing is drilling down a set of agendas HR has a set of agendas and then social media has a set of agendas And so you really need to marry all of those. Otherwise your employees are sort of left with this disparate piece or pieces of what they're supposed to be doing without marrying the full sort of 360-degree process of what makes a business work and I think that when businesses can do that, they, they, they their employees can really deliver an organic streamlined message out to the customer. And the internal group, the HR, the marketing, the training, the social media, the ops people can also deliver a message internally as well as create the sort of brand message of the company writ large.
2: So is, so is- so so you're kind of like the Caesar Chavez of <laughs> of of the consumer world in that in that the customer behavior doesn't change right it's it's predictable, but the problems are really on operation side and 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 how people understand that what how consumers are going to react
3: I think so i mean I think that that there there are lots of businesses that are out there that work to change consumer behavior or at least monitor the consumer behavior, how they interact, you know, what level do you place the sugar cereal versus the, the, the whole the whole grain cereal? I mean, watching people's behavior and then sort of trying to modify it a bit. But for the most part, I firmly believe that the customers are the ones that are driving the changes that we see inside the businesses. And if if businesses aren't listening to what those customers are saying and they're not watching and they're not sort of reaching out and touching them, you know, there's, Customers are very smart these days. They research before they go into stores. They go into stores in many cases just to touch and feel products, and then they go home and they buy them online.
0: So
3: you really need to sort of stroke and love your customers, and the best way to do that is to make sure that your employees are doing what they're supposed to be doing and that that you're able to deliver on that value proposition and that your team is acting as one sort of cohesive brand ambassador unit. And and do
2: you work with, I mean, are you working with very large you know, international retail establishments, all the way down to mom and pops, or uh,
3: I would say that a bulk of our business is um, is going to be a mid-sized brand, which is going to be between let's say thirty locations to two hundred and
0: fifty to three hundred. Okay. We have
3: clients that are larger that have six and seven hundred locations, um, two or three thousand locations, and we have clients that are smaller that have two to three. And, and they range from not for profits to retail establishments, restaurants. Oh wow! Um, believe it or not, apartment communities, the multifamily industry is, is a is a big industry. That you know, if you're trying to sell somebody their next home, you better make sure that the person who's selling knows how to extrapolate needs and do some needs analysis. Senior living is a big area, um, and then you get into obviously your 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 more traditional retail. Outlets, shoes, books, clothing, furniture, technology. Well, I
2: guess I guess there's a lesson there, right? And that's that we nobody's nobody can hide from customers. <laughs> you know, we all have to have a, a a good strategic focus. What I had asked was, you know, from your standpoint, when you know, oftentimes with with us, we look at someone with an online presence and we just go, oh, my God, this is so obvious that they're doing this wrong. What are those things that you guys see that, you know, they just stand out as, you know, top top issues that retailers, retail establishments aren't taking care of their customers? What kind of things really irritate you?
3: Oh, gosh. I think that one of the things that really irritates me the most is, is. It, one, it's a great for, for use of feedback, which is the text messaging. But going into places and seeing employees text messaging, and 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 not paying attention to customers, um, that that to me is just a it's 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 a beef. And and I think that, um, you know, it's the newest thing that we see in customer dissatisfaction. Like instead of I was just standing there waiting for somebody to 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 greet me or they weren't paying any attention to me, it's now I was standing there and the person just stood there and texted right in front of me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I think that businesses that that don't necessarily have a strong online presence because they don't necessarily know if they need to, it's not necessarily a beef as much as it is. It's it's sort of – it it shocks and amazes me that that somebody wouldn't consider – the online world, a valuable presence to have at this stage in the game and wouldn't be monitoring what's being said.
2: And that's it, right? It's that it's that consumers have really the behavior has changed that they expect everybody to have an online feedback channel for them to either vent frustration or get additional help, you know, when they need it. Right. Yeah. I, it's funny, I, I – I, Every time I go into business meetings, I try to turn my phone upside down. Like, I don't. <laughs> I turn the ringer off and I turn it upside down. So yeah, everybody that tries hard. to call me gets irritated. It's hard. It's
4: right. But hard I actually, I, for those of us that like grew up with like connected to our phones, right. You know, I've I've been sleeping with my phone under my pillow since I was 15. I, I
0: don't <laughs> like know what it is. Seriously,
4: it's, the same, as EJ I I don't know what it is really to not have my phone with me, and it can be hard, even like a work yeah. sometimes too. Completely
2: ignore it. I'm laughing because my daughter yeah. is my daughter is the before she gets out of bed, she's checking Facebook. Exactly, you know?
4: exactly what I do. Um,
2: so, so from a consumer <laughs> behavior standpoint, you know, it's obviously mass adoption, but from a customer service standpoint, it's it's now essential
0: mm-hmm. that
2: you have these lines of feedback um, open. You know, the 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 other piece of that is that um, you know I've talked to a lot of companies that were totally afraid of social media. Um, and really, you know, and some, and rightly so, some companies don't have the infrastructure or the manpower mm-hmm. to handle, you know, the influx of complaints or, you know, or questions that they're going to get. But I often tell them just start with customer service.
0: Well, I mean, we talked with, about that
4: before. Yeah. And just because you're not ready to maybe go out there and actively engage. I always believe that you at least need to get out there and monitor because whether right. or not you're ready or not, your customers are already talking. Yeah. So even if you're not going to respond, you might as well know what they're saying out there and know what kind of situations you're going to be dealing with when you are ready.
2: And and how do you know, Kimberly? How do you see the, you know, what's that alignment like? You know, is is there a gap in how people, you know, talk about problems online about about the companies, uh, and the and the offline actual behavior of the customer?
3: Um, I, gosh, I think that you know my, my personal opinion is that we spend a lot of time texting. We spend a lot of time Facebooking, tweeting, and may not talk as much as we normally would. At least you know, I'm Generation X, and of course with the millennials and Generation Y, I think it's even more so, but a lot of times what we'll do is we will we will push something out before we really had time to process it. So if I'm sitting in a restaurant and I have a negative experience, I'm just going to let everybody know I'm having a negative experience and then process it later. I think that, you know, if you, when you get into maybe the, the boomers, they're going to talk about it before they express it. And you need to be, I think you need to meet in the middle. That you, you, you need to anticipate that, yes, the boomers are a huge market, and you need to give them an option to give you feedback, and those can be through comment cards and IVR and phone. Um, and then I think that you need to anticipate that, the, that, that there's an entirely different set of, of values when it comes to X and particularly the Ys and the millennials where it is, you know, I'm not even going to think about picking up the phone and calling you. I'm just going to tell everybody. I'm going to blog about it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to express myself that way. So you you are talking about sort of two different, different ways of communicating by 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 different age groups. And, and,
4: and,
3: and
2: the huge risk there, right, is so if that's the behavior, then then everything you do wrong is amplified.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, by their it, network. Yeah, right? not only is amplified by the network, but I think also those of us that may talk about something on Twitter or another venue, we know it's going to be amplified, but we also talk about it in a more kind of like hyperbolic way than we would normally. Right. Because we are kind of making a show of it, and we expect the more noise you make, the quicker a company is going to respond to you. Whereas if you were just talking about it with your friends, you wouldn't be quite so exaggerated about what the situation was. Right. Online, though, not only are you exaggerating so you can get a response from the company, but also your exaggeration is getting multiplied by thousands depending on what your network size is. And it's kind of right. it's, it's, challenging. It's,
2: it's so funny that you say that because the, the irony is this week, we've, we've had a difficult week this week where we had a, we had a server go down and the, and the server was just, um, it was a mess. Basically, it was just a, a huge mess, and we had probably 20 sites on it, and couldn't get any of them back up and stuff. Mm. And we were working with the the customer service of the hosting company. It was Media Temple, and um, you know, I think it was like the second thing I did was tweet it, mm. you know, because they hadn't responded to my service requests. You know, in in I won't say how much time, but what I thought was an excessive (laughs) amount of time. But but the interesting thing was, um, you know, I tweeted it, and uh, and then got a response back. They put some engineers on the problem. They actually, they they and I and I want to stress this. They went well beyond any contract that I have with them um, to get us back up and working. But I often wonder: Was it the tweet, <laughs> or was it the customer service right. request? Right. Either way, I'm happy with it. But to your point, and we had a problem with Dis- discuss, our our plugin for comments. Mm-hmm. I did the same exact thing, and it you know immediately got resolved. And I wonder, right. you know, these are companies that are using this feedback channel, and and I think monitoring it very carefully. To make sure those things don't get out of control kind of have to
3: and and i think that something that's important for for businesses to keep in mind is not to abandon the traditional feedback channels as well simply because what amazes me is that i've seen businesses that have exemplary response rates using you know online but when you try to call you can call and call and call and beat your head into the wall and, and won't get any responses so it's very frustrating because in many cases, it's just easier for me to pick up the phone and call. And if I don't get a response, then I'm going to go tweet about it. And it never fails, particularly we're dealing with an internal issue with a, with, with a CRM system um, that we've decided to use and then we're deciding not to use now because of this very issue, which is I tweet about it, I get a response. I call, I don't get any responses. When I email, sometimes I get a response, mm. but it's very hit or miss. And I don't just want somebody to respond to my tweets and then pick up the phone and call me. I want somebody to answer the phone when I call, and if I, if they don't, pick up the phone and call me back. Don't wait 48, 72 hours. Right. My issue cannot be expressed in 140 characters.
4: No, I think you're, what you're kind of pointing at is we have these folks that are completely ignoring online, but you also have on the other side people that are stressing online and ignoring people that are in the normal world. I had kind of a similar situation earlier this week where I had a server issue as well, and I called the phone number on a website half a dozen times, went to voicemail every single time. However, I picked eventually. And I was, as no. I was, no. as <laughs> I was sitting there because I, I left the web page open because yeah. the number was at the top, and I just kept dialing the same number because I had memory. Um, somewhere around the fourth call, a window popped up on the website saying, Would you like to chat with someone? And I said, yes, and bam, someone was right there. Because it was a Somebody, fail. Are you serious? <laughs> Cause that was a fail. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> but that was, guy
4: called me right back, like called my house and got me all set up and got me straightened out. But it was kind of frustrating that, you know, for me, especially someone that does not generally like to pick up the phone, it was a big enough issue that I wanted to pick up the phone and talk with someone right away. I didn't so want to wait for a response. On how
2: often mind. do we ignore the people in are very, with us? Oh, Yeah. Well, Kimberly, is that is that I mean, <laughs> oh, <I'm sorry. laughs> from a strategic standpoint, then is um, is one of the things that that you know you ensure with your clients is that there's absolutely an alignment between all of the different feedback mediums and and a an expectation of consistent customer service through all of them.
3: We do our best you know if if we, ha- we we have some clients that we just can't budge on the process and if we can't budge them you know with with the online piece then then you know we, we do our best to say you need to be listening if you're not be, you know be prepared for this um just so you know it's not yeah. going away
2: and you and you stress something i think at the beginning of of our conversation you i i forget your exact wording but it was basically ensuring that the expectations that you set are held right yeah and 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 so if a company does have a problem with let's say inbound phone calls where they're going to have to try 15 times or whatever maybe they need to set an expect a different expectation with their clients and that would appease them right
3: and I think that that's something that, that anyone in business has to do. And I think that everybody who's in business has learned at one point in time or another that they have to reset client expectations and and, and customer expectations. So if, if 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 my value proposition to my clients is that you will get a response within 24 hours and that, that I know at the outset that if I'm going to hear something in 24 hours, If if your value proposition to me is that, you will always have the shoe in stock, and if you don't, then you will call and order it, then I expect that. If I go into the store and that doesn't happen, or if I call your telephone services line and nobody gets back to me for 28 hours or 72 hours, you fail to deliver on the expectation that you set for me. So there is a, a certain level. If you can't meet what you're selling, then you need to go back and reset client expectations right. and customer expectations. So I think you're exactly right. People, If people know what to expect, they're they're more patient and they're more forgiving.
2: Well that's uh, that's just incredible advice. Well let's take a short break. I'm gonna run a, a short ad. When we get back, uh I wanna hear the lowdown on mystery shopping. I am mm-hmm. I am totally uh interested in how that process works and what kind of information you're finding out. So our first uh, our first sponsor up is uh Slingshot SEO, a uh, search engine optimization agency. Or maybe or maybe not. <laughs> I just pressed play and it didn't play. Let's try a different one. Okay, we might not
4: have any. <laughs> no sponsors this week. <laughs> uh,
2: maybe I'll reboot the studio and see what happens. Well, Kimberly, let's just drive straight into the, the answer then. So tell tell me about the process of mystery shopping.
3: Okay. Well, it, the first thing that I will tell you is that that mystery shopping is, at its basic element, Sending people in to pose as customers to provide feedback about their experiences and also to sort of provide businesses with the responses that they need to make sure that their process and protocols are being met. So it, it, that's the very basic level. Anybody can sign up to be a mystery shopper. What I tell people is, is there's a, there's an education curve, and the education curve is twofold. When you tell people mystery shopping, their first thought is, I would love to get paid to shop. <laughs> That is
2: the <laughs> that would that be my the, daughter's response
3: that's the first response <laughs> the, the The downside of that is when you tell people they can get paid to shop and they think, "Well, I'm going to go to Kroger anyway, so why shouldn't I get paid to go to Kroger? You open up the doors for scammers, and scamming is something that our industry faces. Um, our industry is about an eight hundred million dollar industry just in the U- United States. The situation is because everybody is mystery shopping. You all, the, the scammers are coming into play. So if you've gotten the email uh, email blast or you've seen the websites for mystery shopping or you've seen the, the classifieds in the paper for mystery shopping, many of those are scams. Anybody that charges you money to sign up for information on how to be a mystery shopper or to give you lists of companies that are looking for mystery shoppers is a definite scammer. Wow. That's that's just it's a problem that you face. And we've worked very hard as an industry over the past few years to sort of bump up rankings of companies in our trade organizations so that when you do a search for mystery shopping you actually find a legitimate company and not somebody who wants your credit card number so they can charge you thirty bucks a month for information that's out there for free. Wow. Who knew? <laughs> That's the downside. The second downside is that a lot of legitimate mystery shopping companies get their logos and their names hijacked for about 30 days. And companies out of Canada and Nigeria and other places in the world, um, not companies but individuals with, with, with throwaway phones, will send out wash checks with these company logos on them with assignments, quote-unquote. And the person gets this wash check for three to $5,000 oh. and they're told that it's a Western Union mystery shop take the, the check to your bank and then turn around and have 75% of it sent back through Western Union and you get to keep the rest. Um, wow. So if anybody ever approaches you by just randomly calling you or sending you a check saying that this is mystery shopping, run to your nearest BBB, call the FBI, and <laughs> call the Secret Service because it's 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 a huge scam. And whenever they hijack a company's branding, a mystery shopping company's branding information and they do this, they'll probably send out 50 to 75,000 dollars worth of checks under the auspices that maybe 5 to 10 people will cash these checks and send the money back.
2: Oh my god, I
3: never even knew. Yes. So that's my that's my caveat for anybody's like mystery shopping. Wow. Now to get us the good side of it. Um it businesses use this all over the place. Um, KFC, you know, any of the yum brands, restaurants, retail stores, restaurants, um grocery stores car lots and yes cruise lines <laughs> but with every person that says oh i'd love to get paid to be a shopper you know you'll get thousands and thousands and thousands of people who sign up not everybody will complete an assignment and that's simply because the ones that get their first assignment realize that there's work involved and they're like whoa wait a minute i didn't realize how to do all this stuff. I just walk in and buy my purse and walk out yeah you're given a set of criteria and client directives, and those client directives may be something along the lines of, you need to take a photo from outside the store, you need to geocode your position on the smartphone, you need to ask somebody in the deli department and in the cake department and at the at the, at the the front desk about ordering products for a party, and you need to get everybody's name as well as their description, and descriptions can't be derogatory, and we need to make sure that you have age and height correct and you also need to provide a narrative about your experience. So once they read that, they realize, oh, it's not as simple as I thought it was. So you weed out the, the newbies pretty quickly who aren't serious about it. And then the ones who get involved with it and actually stay involved with it you know, you'll never make a ton of money doing mystery shopping. Right. A lot of people will do it because, hey, I need to get an oil change, so I might as well get my oil changed for free. I'm going to go have dinner tonight, so if I want to go to P.F. Chang's, I might as well get somebody to pay for it. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to do a new account inquiry at a bank. not necessarily a benefit to me, so I'm going to make $15 to go in and inquire about a new account at Chase at Bank. So there's, there's a variety of ways that people do this. Some of them are full-time shoppers. Some of them are stay-at-home moms. They're retirees. They're people who work full-time, and they just want a little bit of extra money or the benefit of the service. Yeah. And the the, the nice thing is is that you you get a really wide variety of, of age groups as well as a wide variety of demographics. Um, you know, some of our, our favorite shops are the, the bar shops where you have to go in, and you sit at the bar, and you order a drink and you order a drink and you sit there and you watch the cashier to make sure that they're punching in all the drinks that they're not overpouring that they're using jiggers that they're that they're charging people at the bar that there's no money being taken out of the register and those shops go pretty quickly. It's um, just
2: taking all the fun out of drinking.
0: That's
3: right. <laughs> 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 And you know other shops you send somebody in who's between the ages of 21 and 27, and they try to buy tobacco or alcohol at a at a bar or at a, at a convenience store to see if they're carded.
0: Nope.
3: So it's it, it it's a very very big industry, and if you think about all the places that you visit, they they may, they have some sort of consumer feedback program in place, and more than likely they mystery shop. And in lots of places, let me give you an example. Let's say a Radio Shack. Radio Shack may shop Radio Shack because they want to make sure their customers are or their their employees are knowledgeable and can d- discuss products and and really extrapolate what it is that that customer needs. On the other hand, um let's say Samsung and um uh and uh, you know RCA or or you know Sharp is going to shop um Radio Shack just because they want to make sure that the associates inside Radio Shack can appropriately and knowledgeably sell their product. And they want to make sure that they're selling their product as well as they're selling their competitors. Yeah. So then you get into not just one company being Radio Shack, but now you've got every brand that's in Radio Shack that potentially could mystery shop Radio Shack as well as all their other resellers to make sure that they can sell their product correctly.
2: Well, in the, the the financial impacts, uh, of these statements and these mystery shoppers, the the analysis that they do. Um, well, I suppose that what they do is observation, and then your team does the analysis, right?
3: They do the observation, and they provide. Um, you know, they'll they'll, they'll submit their, the, the checklist. We usually create forms or surveys. They fill out that information, and we submit that back to the client with analysis. We have reports and dashboards, and if clients need deeper insights, we can go into that too. The the, the fun part and this is where shoppers who get involved in this area actually can make some nice money in mystery shopping. Um, it's it's the video. You know, with with technology, you know, getting smaller and smaller and smaller and more advanced and cheaper, the the world of hidden camera mystery shops has really exploded. Wow. Oh. We send somebody in who's wired with a button camera or a brooch camera or some other hidden camera on their person, and they go through the entire sales process and now you're not depending on a checklist which your associate may have done everything on the checklist but when you see them on the video and they're sitting there slumped over their desk and they're chewing on a piece of gum (laughs) with you now you know why yes they scored 100 percent on everything they were supposed to do but the shopper sentiment was they just didn't pay any attention or they weren't engaged now you can see why
2: and and the the numbers on this you know from a um, financial standpoint. So, obvious. There's the obvious ones, right? And that's that. If you're testing whether people are selling alcohol or tobacco to kids, those fines are hundreds of thousands of dollars. If, if so, it's you know much. It, it's in a company's best interest to have mystery shoppers testing that than to to wind up with law enforcement on their on their on their doorstep.
3: And law enforcement uses mystery shopping too, so oh, that they oh. don't have to send their own people out. I mean, you've got. You've got government agencies who use mystery shopping to, to catch C-store operators to see if, you know, to see if they aren't carting. You've got the C-store operators trying to catch their employees before the the, the, the the feds come in. So you're exactly right. I mean, people can lose their jobs. Stores can be shut down. Um, you know, licenses can be revoked. It's It's, it's really just a matter of. You know, you are talking about a substantial amount of money.
2: Well, and even, even, you know, walking into a radio shack and not knowing anything about, a you know, a vendor's television, that can be millions of dollars in sales, you know, from a single store.
0: And uh, I, I just tell a short story. I used to work for a major consumer electronics brand, and uh, we used Mystery Shoppers, and we discovered that because our competitors were uh, spiffing they're, you know, the salespeople on the floor, they were adjusting our products in such a way on the floor that they didn't appear good. So these were TV. Oh, nice. So they would, you know, change the factory settings to make ours look bad. Oh. So that they would sell the products that were being spent. Oh. Yeah, we would have never discovered that if we had not uh, used the mystery shoppers. Wow.
3: And, oh. We, that's a great example. We have a client um, that was – they couldn't figure out where they were losing money in their bars. And they were losing about three-quarters of a million dollars a year, and they couldn't figure out where it was. And our shoppers sat at the bar, and they watched the pours. The pours were happening correctly. The money was going in the register. And it wasn't until we started to see on a, on a handful of shops, people would order – if somebody went in, if two shoppers went in or one person went in with their spouse – spouse wasn't paying any attention, or the spouse was drinking a Coke. That we noticed that the Cokes and the soft drinks and the bottled water wasn't being rung up, oh, and that's wow. what the was. It wasn't from the alcohol sales; it was from the beverage sales that were non-alcoholic, not being rung up.
2: Wow! Mm. Yeah, and that sugar water—that's that's high high profit right there. So. <laughs>
3: All right. You know, another way to look at this is if you're a company and you just spend, you know, $50 million on an ad campaign to roll out where you're replacing, I'm just going to throw out some arbitrary names, you're replacing Brad Pitt as your spokesperson with um, Sean Connery. And I go into the store to buy your product and and the new person is Sean Connery on the ads. But the ads that are in the store two months after the promotion rolls out are still Brad Pitt. You're, you know, you've lost two months of advertising in one store because that particular store or that particular franchise operator, who has who owns a hundred stores, hasn't chosen to roll out the appropriate branding because they just didn't want to. They didn't want to take it out of the box or too busy or whatever. So, things along those lines, I mean, you can bleed revenue there and not even know it simply because you're not paying attention to what your resellers and your franchisees are, are, are doing.
2: You know, it's, a, it's an amazing, I, I guess it's just amazing because the the parallels between, you know, online and offline are so great and that's that, you know, online, we, we often tell, you know, we often go to our client site the client says, well, yeah, we've got an easy checkout process, you know, um, you know, we rebuilt it, you know, three months ago or whatever, and so we go online and try to buy their product and we can't figure out how to buy their product, you know, and, and, uh, and, and is some of this not necessarily that it's not necessarily that a company is uh, incompetent. Obviously people have other priorities that they're trying to, you know, take care of. I can't, I can't even imagine, you know, let's say a restaurant and the number of, of pieces of, of things they need to juggle every day but is is the real problem here you know just just that it's very common for companies not to think in you know in the patterns that their that their customers actually act in they don't give
1: it any thought
3: that that's a that's a great point and i think what it's not that they're not necessarily giving it any thought i think that they're so encompassed by their world that they think that, that they're doing it in a way that's customer centric when in actuality it's not to, you know with the example that you just brought up you know we'll do web shops where essentially we record the entire experience of a customer Here, here's an example um, it, it's a hospital system and they're wondering why they can't get registered nurse candidates. Well we all know that there's a nursing shortage.
0: Yep.
3: why can't they get registered nurses to submit applications for our jobs? And so we sat down with a group of RNs and, you know, screen-recorded everything, where they, they start out with a Google search to find the the, the 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 hospital system, and then they go through the job application process. And something that the hospital system is telling us should take 10 to 15 minutes is taking 30 to 45 minutes on their particular site when their competitors, to, you know, two streets over, are also looking for our information process is very easy and that's web and in person
0: yeah so I, <laughs> if
3: they get blindsided by the fact that they're in the middle of their business they can't get out of it I and was those
2: uh, I was sharing uh, I was sharing a couple of weeks ago with with Muhammad he's sitting here but I was sharing with him that I was working at a company once and the and the VP um, you know everybody was sitting at the table and it was something like you know, oh it's it's you know it only takes a second to add someone to an email you know list and uh and so the v p looked at the developer and said, "Okay, go ahead and do it and the developer was like, "What right right now?" and he goes, "Yeah, do it right now, and he put him on the screen, and the developer was like, "Oh, fine then you know, and he sits down and he couldn't figure out how to do it right <laughs> you know and, and it was and it was Totally embarrassing, you know, to the to the employee. It was, you know, but but you know the VP got his point across that look, you know, you're not you're sitting there building this stuff, you're not paying attention to,
1: you know, how people actually have to
2: use use it. How many directors never call their own office? I yeah, well <laughs> <So> I don't <just>, because nobody am answers. <laughs>
0: Listen to your voice point. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. this week, you know, just to sort of to get off of the tangent here. I heard several people who are in the technology industry tell me this week that they're going to change their voicemail to read, to, to just say, I don't listen to voicemail anymore, just send me a text. <laughs>
2: <laughs> mine, mine was close. I, mine used to be that uh, just send me an email, it's a lot easier. And yeah. It's, and it's, you know, what? but, again, on the expectation side, I do with our clients, you know, it's it's written right into our stuff, and I repeat it when we sign people up, is that, you know, we don't have the manpower to, to have 24-7 customer service. We're not, you know, we're a service organization, but we're not a support organization. So we can't, you know, we can't handle, you know, the midday emergency call. We just don't, we're just not staffed to do that. And I right you know, to your point, it's absolutely, and, and then, you know, repeating that expectation is important, too. We have at least one client that I have to remind every single month, you know, what those expectations are, are. are you know, right. because every, I think every month as they're doing their business, you know, they, they start just kind of assuming that we're working on this, or we're doing that, or we're going to cover that, and, uh, and that's not the case. So, it's essential to, you know, it, it's it's just scoring, right? It's a test and a score. If if you put the right questions in front of somebody, they're going to score you right. If you put the wrong, you know, they're going to mark you with zero. So right. you have to make sure that you give them the answers <laughs> so that they score you the right way. Right. Wow. Well, what, what are some, what's
3: your worst horror story? Oh, gosh. Um <laughs> Um, one was a personal horror story. Oh, not let's hear. Or one was one was a business horror story. Which would you like first?
2: I, I let's hear the business one first.
3: All right, the business one happened um, a few years ago with a client that I had in uh, the Northeast, and they have a series of salons and a group of salons. And we recruit the shoppers, we give the shoppers the client criteria for what's supposed to happen and make sure that they understand that. And the shopper went on site and submitted his shop report and about three days later, which was also three days before my firstborn was due, so probably not the best time to catch me with this news, the client called me and says, we can't accept this shop. And I said, Well, why? You know, tell me what happened. And he said, Well, we've got this shopper on camera and he's propositioning the 18 year old girl behind the counter. Wow. Oh. The shopper was 82. Oh. Wow. And when he didn't, when she didn't um, respond the way he thought, he should she should he should she should to his response is he then urinated on the floor in front of her. Oh my wow. <laughs> wow. It's not a call you want to get on a Monday morning or Monday morning, and it's certainly not the call you wanna get three days before your babies do. Oh my gosh. That was the worst story that I have. <laughs> Then did you salvage that relationship? Or? Um, yes, the, the client was very understanding. He's like, you know, you are always going to have one. You're dealing with humans, wow. whether they're employees or independent contractors. He's like, just like it's hard for us to find good employees or just like good employees can go bad. Yeah. In this situation, we had a shopper go bad, and he said, I understand that. What we ended up having to do is the shopper, We had to, we threw the shop out, and we did not reimburse the shopper because – Obviously, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And um, he threatened legal action against us for defamation of character because we didn't have proof, he said. Well, we sent him the video proof and everything was taken care of. But uh, it was, uh, you know, things like that that call headaches for your clients. You you always hope that your shoppers are good. You, You know, we have a rating system in place so that a shopper, you know, Prior to a shopper going into a store, they can take certifications so that we know that they know what they're supposed to do. We can see their past history with us. Um, We can um, see whether or not they've been certified by our trade organization. So we have those things in place. But sometimes you're going to end up in a place that's going to be in a little-known area with very few people who are interested in doing a shop. And when you find somebody who is, you sometimes have to take a risk. And ninety nine percent of the time, the risk pays off. And if it doesn't, it's usually because the shopper just chooses that they don't. That after they've been assigned, that they don't want to do it. It's very very rare that you get the the propositioning urinating shopper in your store. And if you do, um, you know, just make sure it's not before you are getting ready to have a baby.
2: Or <laughs> on video. All right, yeah, or on video. Right. Well, on that note, I'm going to try an ad again because these guys pay us. So <laughs> let me
1: do this. Searching for a bigger online footprint? Slingshot SEO, helping deserving brands achieve growth through Internet searches. A passion to maximize the science of search translates into action plans for deserving brands like yours. Shaping online conversations about your business and making your business more visible to search engines. Slingshot SEO: Digital relevance for deserving brands. Visit slingshotseo.com for more information, or call 888-603-7337. Let them know you heard about them on the Marketing Technology blog. No, thanks. Thank
2: you to Slingshot and uh, we'll talk just for a couple. Another ad because we have Zoomerang, we, we got to get in as well. So I, re, I I had rebooted the studio, I guess, because we because uh, we lost connectivity there for a little bit. Um, this this is just a fascinating conversation.
0: Kimberly, I, I have a question for you. I, would you comment on some of these online surveys that companies use that are set up in such a way that it doesn't really foster? Honest feedback, and and so more specifically, for example, today I I took my car in for service, and I didn't have an appointment. I'm a good customer, and you know I called. And I said, "Come on in, Harry. I'll take take care of you." And he he did. But when we were done, he said, "Harry, remember the survey. You're gonna take care of me on on the customer survey, right?" I said, "Yeah, Mike. I'm gonna take." I want to take care of you, and and so that's kind of our bargain. That I'm, you know, when the survey comes back from the car dealership, I'm going to say, Mike, you know, and and there's a quick quick pro quo. So, but I mean, it's really not honest, transparent feedback. It's it's kind of, so would you
3: comment on that, please? You know, I, I. I'm of the camp that even if you take good care of me, if you sit there and tell me as I'm walking out the door, remember to take care of me and give me a 10.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It bugs
3: me. Because as soon as they get that survey, I mean, they're going to be so annoyed that you asked me. Even if I've been a long-time loyal customer, you shouldn't need to ask me to take care of you. Um, do your job. And it mm. doesn't take a lot to impress people because I honestly believe that most of us expect mediocrity at this point because that's what we're used to getting. If you take good care of me and you smile at me and you call me by name and you you say, you know what, I don't know the answer but I'm going to find out for you, just doing those things. I'm going to give you the rating that you deserve but if you start asking me for it, then I'm just going to be, you know, be aggravated. And I think I see a lot of that, you know, I have clients who use MPS scores they want, they want to know, they want to understand, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10 or 0 to 10, how their customers feel, or on a scale of 0 to 7. And if you're not in market research and you're just the customer that's filling out that survey, most people are going to default to pretty high numbers if they've had a good experience, and they're going to default to lower numbers if they haven't. Yep. They're not going to put a lot of thought into it. And, you know, that's just that's that's my philosophy, and, and you know, Part of you, you know, I think part of market research, the mystery is, is that you don't want your customers to put a lot into it, a lot of thought into it. You really just want them to think, well, it was, it was a seven or an eight or a nine or a ten. But a lot of times they just depend totally on the numeric rating, and they don't pay attention to the, you know, the the qualitative piece, which is great. You gave us a seven. Now, what is that? You know, why did you give us a seven? Right, right. And, and and ask me that, but. It, as soon as you start to direct me, I, I I get really I get peeved. I think it takes away the, the 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 meaning. And for every person that you, I think a lot of people I've heard a lot of people get get peeved and annoyed by that. And I also think that you and I you and I have a good relationship because I've been coming in a long time. But if you've got the you know the sort of cojones at that point to say yes. Uh, give me a nine, even though I've been coming in a long time. Are they saying it to people who haven't coming, in, haven't been coming in a long time? And is that going to be enough to aggravate them and drive them away? Um, but I, I think that there probably is a false inflation. You are right there, and um, particularly when it comes to places like dealerships, you know, we see that happen.
2: I was, I was, I was, I was at a, I won't say which airlines, but I was at their headquarters in a. And sitting in a boardroom and and they were telling me that they didn't have a problem because their retention was something like 94%. Basically, 94% of people that had flown on their planes before flew on them again. (laughs) And I was looking at them and I was like, so you really think that people sit down and go, oh, I flew that airline last time and it was a good experience. I am always going to fly them again. Or was it that there was a sale on airfare or was it that your airport was the headquarters, (laughs)
0: Mm
2: -hmm. you you know, for their brand. It's amazing what, you know, you know, it's all, was it damn lies and statistics? You know, I think, I think people always read off. I think the greatest survey I ever saw was I think it was like Hertz rent a car or something way back. They said, would you recommend us to a friend? Hmm. And that was it. Yes or no would you recommend this to a friend? And if the answer was no, they got a customer service person on the phone with you to find out what might have gone wrong or how they could have helped or whatever. And I and I thought that that's brilliant in its simplicity. And that,
0: that's essentially what GE is doing today in terms of kind of measuring their sales performance is it, performances, you know, the recommendation. Would you, know, you
3: can recommend this and use this again?
2: Yeah. There's no
3: you, let me ask you this though. Would you would you recommend Hertz to a friend? How would you have felt if there would have been a third option in there that said indifferent? Yes, no, or indifferent.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. I guess I guess the, you know in that case I probably would have just thrown out the survey.
4: <laughs> I would have been confused. Yeah. <laughs> you would have been confused. I like you or I don't.
2: Yeah, and indifferent is actually a really strong answer because I think that's the other part is that we're inundated now with customer service requests like Harry was today. You know, I know. You know, you go through the Taco Bell. You know, hey, here's your code. You can win a thousand dollars if you take this survey. And it seems like everywhere I go, people are, you know, asking me. You I know, know one to ten. yeah. And if you give a ten, you get to go to the next question. Yeah. yeah. If you give anything under a ten, what do we need to do? Yeah. To give us a ten. The five hour. Okay, I'm gonna go back and say ten. Like absolutely.
0: You know, yeah.
3: It's interesting is that we're seeing we do the IVR and the web surveys, but we are seeing a big decline in feedback in that capacity. Um, just if 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 you think about IVR, you you have to call in, punch in a number, and then listen uh. to somebody ask you a question, pull the phone away from your head, enter in the answer, put your phone back up to your ear, mm-hmm. and it can be a bit tedious. And then the same thing with sending me home to get on a computer. You're going to send me home. I'm already busy to get online and give you feedback. Yep. That's why we're seeing such really high response rates from the texting piece because one, it's new, and two, there's no inconvenience, and three, if I can be sitting there in your drive-through, and you've got the text to number on your window, I can let you know right here and there that that I'm dissatisfied and it's it for some reason is it is engaging people in a way that that IVR and web haven't and it, i think it's simply because it's it's convenient and as long as you make it short and sweet you get some really good response rates i mean with some of our clients in the technology industry where we can push text based surveys with the option to complete them on a smartphone via web but when you can push them a text based survey You'll get response rates of twenty to twenty five percent versus one to three percent with i v R and web, and you're you're reaching out to the same people
2: well, how cool is it then for us to take another pause and do our next sponsor, which is Zuberang, <laughs> who has surveys and polls and also has text surveys in their system so let's let's do that one and come right back all right.
1: Zoomerang Online Surveys and Polls is the fastest and easiest way for your business to create and send surveys online. With Zoomerang, you can create unlimited surveys and polls and send them via email, Facebook, Twitter, or embed them on your website or blog. You can view results in real time and start making better business decisions immediately. Use Zoomerang online surveys to get customer or employee feedback, test a business idea, plan events, and more. It's easy, fast, and best of all, free. Join over 2 million satisfied users and sign up for free at Zoomerang.com.
2: Right. The show is officially paid for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love, I love your text advice. Uh, we have Adam small. Um, he has, he has a company connective mobile and, and he, you know, he touts text messaging a lot and, and we actually, we actually did, it wasn't a survey type thing, but, um, we have text to subscribe. So it's basically, you can just text your email address to, uh, or uh, a code. It's, MKTG to 71813 and then it comes back and says what's your email address and you type that in and you're subscribed to our email and uh, and he was telling me about it because one of our other sponsors Delivera had implemented it into their system and I said oh that's cool can you do it for me so he set it up for me and uh, and I got that same exact thing every time I go to a speech I ask people be sure to visit the marketing tech blog and subscribe well when you think about that A lot of people just don't do it, for one. A lot of them don't have a browser in front of them to navigate and go to it. But when I started saying to people, I I literally, at one event, um, we got over a 20% response rate. There was about 100 people in the room, and I got about 20, I think it was about 26 people subscribed. Wow. And it was because I paused, and I said, okay, everybody get out your phones for a second. And I just want you to do one thing. I want Your you... Pressure. And, and I did. And so everybody got out their phones. And some people probably faked and checked their email. <laughs> um, but but I was. But you're absolutely right. It's such a simple, universal method of collecting data, and I think it doesn't have anything shiny or flashy or anything associated with it. So a lot of people dismiss text messaging when it's actually this. You know, incredible tool with great response rates, and, and we have infographics on the Marketing Tech Blog that, man, Adam puts them up left and right. They're <laughs> um, easy, yeah. But but you know that that continue to tout you know how easy it is to get feedback through uh, through text messaging services. Yeah. So that's my text messaging rant right there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, how I, I want to ask a question right along all of these lines. Talking about, you know, the surveys and information, do you have companies that literally, you know, they, they think because they've surveyed their customers and they're getting nines out of tens and everything else, that they just think, man, we don't have a problem. Everything's going great. And they hire your service to basically go in and check, you know, customer service through the web and through online and then through the retail establishment. And you guys just, you know, find a wreck. Uh, and find tons of opportunity there. Do you see those disparities?
3: Yes. Yeah. You know, we'll have clients that will say, we're doing great on our customer stats, we're doing really poor on our mystery shops. Um, you know, where does the discrepancy come from? And, you know, what my my response can be, well, you know, there's multiple things that can happen. One, are you measuring the right things on your mystery shop? You know, if, if for example... Um, I, I, I think it was the, the president of, of Home Depot did his own mystery shopping because they were getting consistently high scores on their mystery shops, but their customer stats were low. Are you measuring the right things? If you're walking in, and you're, if you're pr- placing equal value on, depending on the type of business, but let's just say the equal value on the the, 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 the landscape of of the exterior and the flow of the interior where the restrooms clean, as opposed to the things that really drive sales, those key performance indicators, which are, did the person approach you? Could they answer your question? Did they walk you to the product? Were they knowledgeable about the product? And did they try to close the sale? Um, You know, I I think it's the the company EnviroCell. um, Their their, um, owner has written a book called Why We Buy, which is sort of this, this compendium of, you know consumer behavior and and how to sort of make them purchase more and and not feel like they're being sold to you know if you give somebody a shopping cart just inside the door they're probably not going to pay attention to it if you give them a shopping cart 20 feet inside the door or at the end caps they're going to fill the baskets up and they're going to buy more than they can carry um so so getting back to the difference you know the disparities if, if your employees aren't in the business of providing customer service and answers and then getting out of the way, then that's probably why your shop scores can be really high because you're measuring what you want to measure as opposed to what's really driving sales.
2: You know, it, it, it's interesting that you brought up the Home Depot. So when I was 18 years old, nobody knows this, but when I was 18 years old, I was a lot boy at Home Depot in hmm. Phoenix, Arizona. So really good. 110 degrees, loading concrete bags in people's cars all day. Um, but but uh, Home Depot was very very new back then. I'm old. Um, <laughs> and and one of the things that as soon as I started working for them, the first thing they said was, whenever you greet a customer, always ask them what they're working on. Hmm. And and uh, and the reason was psychological. It was it, they didn't ask, do you need help? Mm-hmm. Because do you need help? Now I'm just looking. You know, thanks. But when you asked, what are you working on? It was, you're taking an interest in what they're doing.
4: And people want to share what they are.
2: they share, and then now now the sales associate gets to walk around the whole store with this person and bring them to different departments, and all of a sudden that shopping cart is full. Where before, they were alone, walking down an aisle, and eventually left, you know, and went to another one. And I thought... That always had a lasting impression on me that a simple wording of a question can totally change the customer behavior. All right. Hmm.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, think about if you're going into a shoe store, can I help you? No, I'm just looking versus, oh, my gosh, I love that outfit. This, these shoes would be the best with that outfit. Or even something, you know, where are you going? What are you looking for shoes for? So opening up that dialogue by asking an open-ended question I think is, is, is important. And you know, you know, to your to your point about being the, the lot boy at, at Home Depot, my husband was the shopping cart guy at Wegmans in Buffalo, New York, during the winter.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> well, I, I had a better tan than he did.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the fifteen below.
2: Wow. Well, well, tell us, uh, Kimberly. Where can people find you online? So, companies interested in in getting your services. Um, where should people? I, you know, obviously you've got a great site and a great presence on Twitter. Um, tell everybody where to find you.
3: Um, our website, which is going to be relaunched in the next five days, is measurecp.com. Um, that's measure C is in Charlie, P is in Paul.com. Um, don't hold it against me if it looks rough right now. It's it's. This is sort of our fourth rendition. I think the next one's going to have like 75 landing pages and, you know, 150,000 child pages. But um, they can find us there. We're on Facebook, Measure Consumer Perspectives. Um, if you, in fact, if you go there today, you will see the photos uploaded from our Halloween party at the office. Yay. Hey, um, You're missing for us. <laughs> it's all right. And um, we're on Twitter, Measure CP. And um, we have a YouTube channel, and they can call our office.
2: Fantastic, and um, and uh, you know, you guys provide tips and tricks and everything else uh, through your sites as well. Yes. Yeah. So everybody, um, be sure to look up Kimberly. Kimberly, thanks so much for taking the time with us today. This is this is really eye-opening, and I I, I love the fact that you know you come at this from a with an anthropology background, which I I'm just so jealous. Um, so you're really paying attention to the actual behavior people take and then the coordination that you're having with online behavior and offline behavior um, is fascinating as well you, that, I hope you write a book on this
3: you know I, if 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 Eric Deckers would commit to me <laughs> I've got an idea I think uh, Eric's writing like 14 books a year right <laughs> Um but uh, I think that there's a definite brand with he and Jason Falls, no BS uh, social media, and uh, I, I see, I foresee a no BS customer service book in our future. But I can't get Eric to commit.
2: Okay, well we'll we'll work on we'll twist his arm then. So I, I know he he likes donuts. So, <laughs> well thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And you're and you're uh, you work
3: out of Louisville. Our offices are in Louisville, Kentucky.
2: Fantastic. Well, hopefully I can get down there someday and and uh, and see you in person. Um, will you be the, uh, any chance that you'll be out at Blog World Expo?
3: When is that?
2: That's uh when is next next week?
3: Out, no, out my husband is actually out of town all week long, and so with a four month old at home and a two and a half year old at home, I'm not prepared to uh, stick <laughs> those two on any particular sitter. With <laughs>
2: It sounds like you got your hands full. Yes. Well, well, I hope we can have you on again. This was this was incredible, and and we'll uh, we'll send you a link to to the show. Obviously, uh, I'll probably download it and cut out the white white space that we had in there. Okay. And uh, and then repost it, and um and maybe we can get a. Maybe we can get a summary blog post together too. This was this was really educational.
0: I rarely have advice for our um, our guests, but I have uh, just this word of advice, Kimberly: grandparents. That's what grandparents. Are like. <laughs> uh, I can give you some tips. <laughs> <laughs>
3: grandparents are in town this weekend there you go next week so you know to take advantage of the grandparents we're having a date night tonight but yeah we couldn't get we couldn't convince them to stay for another four or five days
0: (laughs) but yes i would love to go to (laughs) (laughs) a
3: fantastic well hey
2: this has been such a pleasure thanks again kimberly thank you all right bye
0: bye
1: Connect with us anytime at marketingtechblog.com. And from there, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Tech Blog.